Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever wanted to see God? Maybe you've even prayed, Lord, show yourself to me. Well, Jesus teaches us how in the Beatitudes. When he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When Moses made his bold request to God, show me your glory. God said, no one may see my glory and live. Yet Jesus said we could see God if we are pure in heart. Seeing God is more than seeing with our natural eyes. God's glory shines brighter than the sun, at which we cannot look directly. In the same way, we don't possess the natural capacity to see God in all of His glory, just like we can't look directly into the sun. Yet we can see God spiritually with the eyes of faith. Seeing God means to know God and to experience Him in a very personal and real way. Seeing God means that we see Him as He is. We know that in the ancient world, people made idols, images of what they thought God was like. We see idolatry in the world today. The prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel 14, 14 talks about idols in the hearts. And the little letter of 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 ends with this abrupt statement, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And an idol is a reinvention of God. We see it today in the secular world. We have reinvented God as the self, humanism. We've reinvented God in ways to make him look like us, to bring him down to our level. We see Jesus sometimes demeaned and diminished to be little more than a revolutionary or a poet or a rock star. But when we see God in the sense that Jesus means blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. When we see God, we see him for who he really is, as revealed in creation, as revealed in scripture, as revealed in Christ. We saw God fully when Jesus came into this world because the Bible says his name was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very son of God was with us and we saw God in his son. Paul calls Jesus the image of the invisible God in Colossians 1 verse 15. One of my favorite scriptures, God was invisible and is invisible to us naturally, but Jesus coming in human form is the image of the invisible God. You see, any picture you have of God in your heart that doesn't look like Jesus is the wrong image. It's a reinvention and it's a faulty image. But Jesus brings us a clear image of God because he's the son of God. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This raises some important questions. First of all, what is the heart? Pure in heart, what does that mean? Well, the heart is the center of the personality. When the Bible uses the word heart, it means the real you, the real person beneath all the veneer and the projected images we all make of ourselves. The heart is the authentic self, the real person. The Bible uses the words soul, spirit, and heart interchangeably. The heart includes the intellect, the will, and the emotions. So sometimes people try to separate spirit from soul and mind, but really these are all words that describe the inner person, the true person, the eternal person. 
Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God told the prophet Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When David talked about scripture, he said in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In Matthew 12 and 34, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Matthew 15, verse 8, he dealt with some of the religious leaders and their legalism. And he quoted the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Isaiah was right about you. And the Lord said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Eternal salvation and faith in Christ is a matter of the heart. Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Paul tells us about our thoughts, that they're also part of our heart. In Colossians 3, verse 1, he says, Since then you're raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. So the heart is the real person. It's the real you. It's your thoughts and your feelings. It's your soul. It's the eternal part of you that's housed within this body. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, at the very core of their being. Not pretense, not a religious show, but a spiritual transformation, a spiritual work of grace going into the very heart, the core of a person. What's going on within you? The real person, Jesus says, purity of heart. Well, we know what a heart is, but now what does he mean by pure in heart? Blessed are those who are pure in their hearts. The word purity here means to be unmixed without any contamination or dilution. The Greek word is katharos, from which we get the word catharsis. A catharsis is an emotional purging of repressed feelings. It's a term we use in psychology and psychotherapy to help a person deal with unresolved conflicts, repressed painful memories, traumatic experiences from their childhood. Some of the emotions that we hold on to sometimes when we go through guilt or grief or anger, Instead of expressing them and getting them out, almost like an infection, not of the body, but of the soul. A catharsis is a cleansing, a purification of toxic emotions and thoughts and feelings. That's what Jesus uses, a purity, a cleansing of the heart, a genuineness to the human heart. Now, the Greek word for heart was used in the ancient world to describe pure water. We know the benefit of pure water. We've all seen stories in the news of a community where the water was not pure and the health consequences that occurred. So the Greeks use this term, katharos, purity, to describe water that is pure. And sometimes we'll go out of our way to actually buy water when we can get it for free out of the water fountain because in our minds we think, well, that's pure water. This word purity also describes wine that is not diluted or grain that is winnowed from the chaff. It describes silver and gold, which has no alloy. When you buy jewelry, you want to buy 
pure, the higher, the greater purity, the more expensive the silver or gold or jewelry is. No other metals mixed in there with it to diminish it. The Greeks use the word purity to describe an army that has been cleansed of all defective soldiers. And we know how dangerous a defective soldier could be in a combat situation, somebody that turns against his comrades. But an army that has everyone on the same page with loyalty, they said that's a pure army. It represents a pure family lineage and a bloodline. The Greeks use it to describe language that is free from colloquialisms and grammatical errors. And we see today people just make up words. They're not real words. They just invent words. Misinformation, that's a word. Disinformation, that's a kind of a made-up word. And so we can make up all types of words. We have colloquialisms. We have sometimes grammatical errors in our language. And so the Greeks and the Romans said, well, uh, Pure language is free from all of those mistakes and distortions of communication. A person who has been freed from debt, this word purity refers to it, like all of your debts have been cleansed. Purity describes a person in the ancient world who was ceremonially or religiously or spiritually cleansed. They were prepared. Their hearts were ready for worship. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, unmixed, uncontaminated, not hypocritical, not playing a game, genuine, real, authentic. And biblical purity means to be cleansed of sin. It means to be honest before God and others. It means to be free from any pretense, manipulation, and hypocrisy. And as you know, Jesus oftentimes had to correct many of the religious leaders in his day. Not all of them, certainly, but many of them were hypocrites, he called them. In Matthew 23, he called them whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, he said, full of extortion and excess. They weren't pure. They were putting on an image. They loved to pray, standing on the street corners to be heard by other people. They loved to give their gifts to help the poor on the street and wanted everybody to see what they were doing. They didn't have purity of heart. They were doing things spiritually for ulterior motives. And he called them hypocrites. You're putting on a show. So purity of heart is to be free from all that pretense and manipulation and hypocrisy of others, to be genuine and real. In the Old Testament, purity is used of Abraham's integrity before God. We read about in Genesis chapter 20, verse 5 and 6 of how he was a man of integrity, genuineness. The word purity refers in the Old Testament to Job. The Bible says he was upright in the eyes of God. He shunned evil in Job chapter 4, verse 7. The psalmist talked about purity in Psalm 24, verse 4, when we go to God in worship. Who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn by anything false, he will receive the blessing of the Lord. And we come before God with a pure heart, clean hands, our actions, and pure heart, our motives, our intent our character. Isaiah talks about cleansing of sin in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. In verse 18, God says, Come to me, reason together. Your sins will become like scarlet. You'll become pure. Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, refers to the purity of God's eyes that cannot look upon or participate in sin in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13. 
that God is holy. He cannot look upon sin in the sense that God cannot participate or condone it. And John uses the word purity to describe the whole of the Christian life in 1 John 3, verse 2. In fact, verse 2 and 3 together talks about the coming of Christ and the way that we respond when he tells us that we will see him as he is when Christ returns. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And then John says, whoever has this hope in him, that is the hope of Christ's return, purifies himself as Christ is pure. So Jesus describes the heart, the real person, the soul, the personality, who we truly are behind all of the image that we project. He describes the need for purity to be genuine and real and authentic, to not be mixed with anything that would contaminate our souls and diminish us spiritually. And then he talks about the benefit of having a pure heart. And there are a lot of benefits. There are a lot of benefits just in our relationships with others of being genuine and real and authentic and honest and having integrity and having the right motives and never trying to manipulate people and coerce them in a way that is to serve us and not them. So what is the benefit, Jesus says? You will see God in the sense that you will see him more fully for who he is. And you'll experience his presence in a very powerful way in your life. You'll see God. You'll experience God. You'll sense God's presence in a greater capacity. You see, sin is a barrier between us and God. Purity of heart with sincere motives and honesty is the way into the presence of God. God doesn't demand perfection of us because we can't do that. We can't be perfect, but God does require purity. We can be genuine and real and honest. We can get down to the core of who we are and be real with God. And when you do, you will see God. You'll see God work in your life if you're pure in heart. You'll see God answer your prayers if you're pure in heart. You'll see God give you the desires of your heart if you're pure in heart. And while we can't be perfect, and God does not require that, we can be genuine and real and sincere So let's pray today that God will give us purity of heart. Lord, we thank you today that you're the God of cleansing. You're the God of catharsis. You're the God of purity. And we pray today that you'll cleanse us, spirit, mind, and body, that we might grow in the holiness of Christ in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me for this time in the Word of God as we dig deep into these powerful beatitudes, which I call the psychology of Jesus, the key to a very healthy and prosperous and happy life. Let me encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can hear so many Bible studies that we have there for you, messages from the Word of God. I love to preach the gospel, share the social media with others, share all of our media products with others and share the Word of God with them. Make sure you get the Mount Parent app, tell all of your friends to get it. They can just download the sermons, they can listen to the worship, they can participate in our missions work. What we do, we do together here at Mount Parent. You're part of the Mount Parent family. Thank you for your prayers, your support. I want to encourage you to support the church every way that you can. You're making an investment in the ministry as we carry the gospel of Christ to the world. You can give and support and become a financial partner as well. You can participate in ministries. You can go online today, no matter where you are in the world, you can join Mount Parent and say, I'm in covenant with the church. I'm in covenant with the people of God. We want to thank you for all you're doing to support the work of the ministry. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family in church. We've got a great day planned. And trust that today you'll enjoy a wonderful day.
Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.